Now, the first couple of Texas radio. Here's Bill and Allison Mencaro. We are not PC, are we, Allison? No, we're not. No, we are PI, politically incorrect. That's right. Most of the time. Most importantly, try to be biblically correct. But we are Bill and Allison fighting a never-ending battle for truth, justice. And the American way. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And we are, trigger warning, we are non-Bidenary, non-Bidenary. That's right. To let you know that. I'd like to begin our program with a verse. This is from the book of 2 Timothy. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Well, Noah Webster, who was a Christian, by the way, and he wrote some uh, Christian books, as I recall, said, all the evils which men suffer from vice, crime, ambition, injustice, oppression, slavery, and war proceed from their despising or neglecting the precepts contained in the Bible, unquote. Noah Webster. How about that? How about that? Wow. Yeah. And he is the Webster of he is Webster's, uh, Webster's Dictionary guy. Dictionary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Christian. A lot of people don't know some of the famous names in mm-hmm. history were very strong Christians. That's true. Uh, Sir Walter Scott was one. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Wal- Sir Walter Scott was dying, um, his, I believe it was his nephew was taking care of him, and uh, he asked his son, he said, uh, uh, no, it was his, his son, his son, because of the context now I remember, he said uh, to his son on his deathbed, he said, son, bring me the book. And uh, his son said, father, <laughs> you have thousands of books. <laughs> what book do you mean? And he looked at me and said, son, there's only one book. <laughs> course the bible is what he meant well uh, bill mentioned that we are on saturdays eight to ten but we're also going to be on this wednesday here at hill country patriot uh we're having a radiothon from 7 a.m to 1 p.m on thursday i'm sorry wednesday january 17 and uh, bill and i will be on from 11 to 1 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Mm-hmm. That's the plan. And it's uh, we have several sponsors, and uh, this is to raise money for kids and uh, uh, for the for the stock show. For the for kids in 4-H and uh, FFA. Mm-hmm. And you can grandstand. Go to, oh, oh, it's the grandstand Hill yes. Country Grandstand. Yep. Well, you have you should have it in front of you. Didn't I print it out for you? Uh, yes. And uh, you can go to our website, and we're having an auction at our website. And just click on Radiothon, and uh, go to hillcountrypatriot.com, and click on Radiothon, and you can go to the auction. Mm-hmm. Help the kids out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> These are kids that uh, need your help. Um, you know, they, uh, because it, it costs a lot of money mm-hmm. to, to raise those animals. And um, even if they get a good price for them, sometimes, sometimes the price they get does not cover what they have put into raising the animal mm-hmm. that's absolutely true probably normally that is that is the case so mm-hmm. helping the kids out and uh, teaching them uh, values and uh, of course ffa and 4-h uh, is committed to american values and and uh, raising a solid generation of, of citizens so uh, 
Anyway, that's what we'll be talking about, uh, particularly at um, all of the stations of the Ranch Radio Group, and including the Hill Country Patriot, your information station. That'll be Wednesday. Uh, and I think it starts at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. with Harley. 7 to 1. 7 to 1. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Good. And, okay, while we're talking about next week, um, I, I just uh, printed out a map from the uh, Weather Service in San Antonio, which covers our area. And uh, Monday, the wind chill in Kerrville, for example, is expected to be zero degrees. <laughs> and Frederick. Pittsburgh, it's going to be one degree, and uh, some of the other areas are slightly warmer, like San Antonio's ten. When is this going to be? This is Monday. Monday night, right? You know, I don't know. Is it night or is it day? I don't know. You're the re- you're you're the weather reporter. <laughs> That's true. I just printed out this map oh. with the uh, temperatures on it. Well. Whenever it is, it's yeah. going to be cold. So it's going to be cold and windy. Yeah. Make sure you take care of your pets. Uh, Absolutely. Just like you need to take care of them when it gets super hot, mm-hmm. make sure that uh, they're taken care of in the Bring them inside. I was, yeah, Bring I was going to say. Um, you know, we talked to someone who said, uh, well, I've got to go winterize my doghouse. No, the right. dog should not be in the doghouse. Yeah. I don't care how winterized it is. Um, take, you know, bring your animals inside. And uh, unless you have, like, cattle. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your pets inside, please. Take care of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, when I was a kid, we had a cat who was who was an outdoor cat because my parents did not want me to have the cat indoors. So we would put put her in the basement, um, so she didn't have a litter box, and that she wasn't used to being in the house, you know, full time. So we'd put her in the basement, and uh, you know, she got along just fine. Well, well, yeah, the basement should be fine. Yeah, it was. It was tile floor and when she needed to do her business she would go to a drain in the floor no kidding or you know when, and, uh, we also had a, a shower um, a very rustic shower in the basement and sometimes she would go in the in the to the drain the what shower. a smart cat i know i know wow, that's great yeah that's great so yeah, so bring, speak- the, bring the critters in yeah absolutely speaking of smart animals we have a new addition to our family, Allison and I, Anna, who is a standard poodle, and she's two and a half years old, and we just uh, rescued her from a situation that uh, made her very shy, and uh, so uh, I won't go into all the details, but uh, she's much better off, <laughs> let's put it that way, and boy, is she, she's affectionate and smart, and we're just unbelievably blessed to have her uh she is um, completely housebroken and uh she learns so quickly i guess poodles are considered to be one of the smartest uh, second smartest dog second smartest dog and uh so they uh i mean she she has learned our our habits for example uh in in the morning i get up and she waits outside the bathroom door she sleeps next to our bed she waits outside the bathroom door for me and when I get out, she marches into the uh, uh, little dressing area where she knows that I'm going to go, but she precedes me. <laughs> she waits for me to get dressed, and she knows that as soon as I'm, she knows when I'm finished dressing, and uh, then she trots out uh, to uh, stand by the door because she knows the next thing's going to happen is I'm going to let her out. And <laughs> just, she astounds me. 
So that's Anna, Anna the Poodle. We'll bring her into the studio one of these days, and she can. Uh, she is so smart. I'm. She could take over the show. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> well, the big news in Texas is that the Texas Military Department, if you haven't heard, seized a city-owned golf course in Eagle Pass and put up barriers around the park because this is one of the major points uh, that uh, illegals are crossing into Texas. And Governor Abbott ordered the National Guard, Texas National Guard, to go there to seize the golf course, the park, uh, where the illegals are, are coming through. They erected barriers around the park, and they ejected U.S. Border Patrol agents from the park because they were not doing their job. Now, I'm not blaming Border Patrol. It's the, I mean, agents, it's the Border Patrol in Washington that's not doing their job. Mayorkas ought to be fired. Uh, he's, he's a traitor. Uh, but uh, anyway, the, uh, yeah, this, this, is, uh, <laughs> this is what they've done. They have uh, they went in. They put up barriers and ejected the border patrol from the park and are not letting illegals flood into Texas. So kudos to Governor Abbott for doing that. Mm-hmm. And of course the the corrupt Justice Department is suing over it and whining mm-hmm. about it. And yeah. They said, I think, well, "Well, last week they were suing." Well, because the state of Texas was trying to um, protect our own borders. Yeah. They're, well, they're, yeah. Their argument is, well, you're not letting the federal government do our job. Well, you're not doing your job, you ninnies. <laughs> That's why we had to do it. If you did their job, if you did your job, we wouldn't have to do it. But now uh, yeah, that's that's what we got going on in Eagle Pass. It's about time. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, welcome to the future. Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's it's always the future. I mean, for example, it's uh, nine minutes after, nine seconds after the twenty minute hour, and now it's That's thirteen. True. Good point. Um, a factory in the Netherlands, three D prints five hundred tons of steaks a month. What does that even mean? <laughs> I know what three D printing is, but how do you three D print a steak? Well, I'll, I will tell you. Okay. Um, this uh, meat company supplies German restaurants with printed fillets. Actually, they print, they spelled it fillet, so I, I'm not, I think they have different cuts. Approximately 110 German restaurants are already buying quote-unquote meat from this company. Uh, Is this artificial meat? Yeah. It's, okay. it's 3D printed. Well, what's it made out of? To begin the 3D printed meat process, scientists biopsy a batch sample of animal stem cells depending on the desired type of meat, beef, pork, poultry, or even fish. These cells then undergo an in vitro vitro proliferation process, bathing in a nourishing, nutrient-dense serum within a climate-controlled bio... a shortage of cattle? Is that the problem? Yeah, really. They have to do this? Over the course of several weeks, these cells multiply, interact, and differentiate into the fat and muscle cells that make up bio ink. Gross. <laughs> I, I, I'm, just, I'm just reading the news. I, I don't know all this stuff. 
Then a robotic arm uses a nozzle to dispense this paste-like cultured meat filament in fine layers atop one another. The arm follows the instructions of an uploaded digital file using computer-aided design, or CAD, software. Oh, I've seen that pictures of the, of the meat product coming out of mm-hmm. a tube. Yes. Yeah, it looks like something you'd see at a sewage plant. Yeah. Um, okay, they use the CAD software in order to replicate the correct shape and structure of the intended meat. Again, they don't. They run out of cattle in Germany or wherever <laughs> this is? The 3D printed meat material must be viscous, yet firm enough to produce a structural model complete with accurate tissue, oh, all right, depending okay. on the type right. and cut of so, meat. So, in other words, uh, don't buy your meat from a... Uh, or, or, or a rancher to, to, or a yeah. store, uh, buy it from a factory where it's not chefs that uh, created it, but uh, engineers and, uh, you know, just you know, line workers. Yeah, so, great. So, so be careful going, going out to a restaurant in, in Germany. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For a lot of reasons, but that's one reason. Now, I like German food, actually. I don't think we'll have that problem in Fredericksburg. They're going to be serving us printed meat. (laughs) (laughs) But it's 3D printed. Wow. I mean, that's... Well, Well, you know, speaking of food, it's interesting you brought that up because uh, I have a little story about Elon Musk. Um, He posted uh, on his, uh, you know, he bought Twitter and renamed it X. Okay, so he posted on X... uh, about the arrest of James Gordon Meek, who is a 13-year veteran of ABC News who pled guilty to possessing dozens of child abuse images. And uh, in doing so, uh, that has refueled a debate among people about whether the Pizzagate controversy uh, was, was true or not. And uh, the Pizzagate was a few years ago, but it, it said that High-level members of the Democratic Party were using a Washington, D.C. area pizza restaurant to coordinate the sexual trafficking of children. And uh, there were leaks of John Podesta's emails, Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, John Podesta. Uh, And in these emails, it was pretty, you know, he he had these coded messages about people. sexual trafficking of children and a lot of people say he was involved in it because of the with these emails um and uh so elon musk alluded to this and uh the thing about this james gordon meek the abc news guy he was very uh, insistent at the time that uh, this is a fantasy, this didn't happen, this Pizzagate, it's, it's you know, right-wing nuts are, are promoting it. Well, he pleaded guilty to trafficking child pornography. So what was his connection to Pizzagate? Why, did he, why was he so virulent in denying it was going on? Uh, you know, it's, it's he, when he himself was a child sexual abuser. Um, you know, it hasn't helped Democrats. Let's put it that way. It hasn't helped Democrats that a lot of their high-profile supporters have been accused or convicted of pedophilia and related crimes. I mean, obviously Jeffrey Epstein 
is a prime example of that, who mm-hmm. was suicided. Yeah, exactly. Suicided. Exactly. And uh, a lot of people don't know one of his associates uh, went to uh, jail, and he was suicided in jail as well. Uh, and, uh, gee, they just couldn't figure out. I, I saw J- uh, Jeffrey Epstein's brother interviewed by Tucker, and uh, he said uh, the he doesn't believe that uh, he was uh, he committed suicide, and he said the evidence is that he was murdered. Of course, the cameras in the in the jail were broken, so we have no record <laughs> yeah, exactly. of what happened. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all of them, all but, the cameras in that well, area, and 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 the guards. What they do? Uh, they fell asleep or Supposedly something like that. Supposedly fell asleep. Mm-hmm. The guards were asleep, and. All these cameras that were in that part of the prison were were broken, and part of the jail were broken. Uh, So we just don't know. But he was strangled to death. Well, uh, Dr. Bodden, the famous um, physician who was... uh, Forensic pathologist. Thank you. Forensic pathologist who has done... He said, I've done well over a thousand uh, jail uh, murders or suicides. And he said, I have never seen... uh, what happened to Jeffrey Epstein, I've never seen that as a suicide. It's always been a murder the way it was done. He said, I believe it was a ligature, that he was strangled to death from behind. Uh, that's Dr. Botten. He said, I've never seen uh, any anybody who has x-rays like that that wasn't murdered. He says, you can't kill yourself and do what happened to Jeffrey Epstein. Well, that brings up also uh, Seth Rich. And Seth Rich was a Democratic uh, Party st- uh, staffer working at the DNC in Washington, D.C. Uh, and he was uh, the victim of what the police called a uh, robbery. Problem is, he wasn't robbed. He was murdered on the streets of Washington, D.C., but his, his phone wasn't taken, his wallet wasn't taken, nothing was taken out of it. Uh, and uh, Seth Rich... There's a lot of evidence now that Seth, in fact, um, uh, Julian Assange said that uh, Jeff uh, Seth Rich uh, was their main conduit for WikiLeaks for dirt on Hillary Clinton and uh, sexual uh, predators in the Democratic Party. Uh, and he, Seth Rich apparently appalled at all the uh, sex rings going on uh, in uh, among Democrats and Republicans, uh, in wa- particularly in Washington. And uh, they believe he was murdered. Um, and uh, uh, when Seth Rich's family hired a New York City police detective, retired police detective, uh, to in- independently investigate Seth Rich's uh, death, murder, it was murder, uh, even, the, even the people who try to cover it up say it was murder, but they say it was just a street crime, uh, he said, uh, I saw an interview with this guy, and he was stonewalled. He said, I was stonewalled by the D.C. Police Department, and I couldn't get any information. I couldn't get records. I couldn't get this. I couldn't get that. And he said, one friend of mine in the D.C. Police Department told him, he said, we have orders from very high level not to cooperate with you or to give the press or the people any information about this. I can't talk about it. We can't talk about the Seth Rich death. So that's, uh, a lot of people don't know, but that's that's uh, what's going on. Um, reminds me of the Franklin uh, Savings and Loan. Um, this was years ago in the in George Bush Sr. administration. 
Um, but uh, there was a uh, a sex ring uh, in uh, this this fellow in, who ran the Franklin Savings and Loan in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, was very close to uh, George Bush Sr. and uh, high-ranking Republicans. And in fact, he sang the national anthem at a Republican at Republican National Convention. Uh, and uh, there were allegations of uh, him involved in top uh, with top-level uh, government officials, both Republican and Democrat, uh, in uh, ch- child sex rings. Uh, of course, a lot of people had to die before that uh, story could be proven. Uh, but uh, that's that's what happens in Washington. We had a. I'll just wrap this up. Uh, not long ago, we were talking to a uh, an acquaintance who is a former uh, CIA um, agent, spook, spy, uh, and. Uh, he told us, uh, I won't go into any details, but he told us that uh, about this one ex-CIA agent that they uh, uh, named Phil Agee, whom Allison and I knew, uh, and uh, said that uh, they hated him so much, he said, we tried many times to kill him, and we're never successful. Now think about that. He wasn't convicted of any crime, wasn't uh, um, wasn't. They just decided we don't like this guy, so we're going to execute him. The CIA, yeah, and he just admitted. He said, "Well, yeah, that's, you know, we do that, you know." So someday we may be in heaven before we find out, <laughs> and um, a lot of things we don't want to know about. I imagine that's true. Okay, true. okay well, coming up next, you're going to find out what soon will be illegal in South Korea. I'll tell you all about it after the break. Here's the official state song of Texas. Standing every test, oh, empire wide and glorious, you stand supremely blessed. Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison, Hill Country Patriot, your information station. And you can also hear our previous shows at firstcoupleoftexasradio.com, where you can download them to your favorite digital device and take them with you wherever you want to go. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff on that. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff. Well, I promised um, before the break to tell you about what's going to be uh, outlawed in South Korea. Uh, the South Korea's parliament voted this past week, almost unanimously, to make it illegal to... Hello? Breed, sell, and kill dogs for human consumption. The bill's passage reflects the rapidly changing public sentiment toward the traditional dish in the country. Eating dog meat dates dates back centuries in South Korea, but younger generations are turning away from it. Uh, Animal rights advocates credit the change in attitude to the growing number of pet dogs in South Korea. Um, But to ease the transition, there's a three-year grace period before the law takes effect. Hmm. Hmm. Actually, this is pretty shocking, considering what Bill did. Um... For the Philippines, for the dogs of the Philippines, and that was what back in the it was back long, in the eighties. Yeah, why don't you talk about that? 
Uh, well, it was. Uh, I spent. Uh, it was thanks to the National Enquirer. Okay. <laughs> uh, the uh, I was working on Capitol Hill and Capitol staff for quite a few years, and uh, I learned that uh, read somewhere, I guess. In, in the National Enquirer. No, it was. You can tell that story, but let me tell the true story. Okay. <laughs> I didn't read about it in the National Enquirer. Okay. I read about it uh, somewhere, and uh, I. Uh, I had a great relationship with my boss, a member of Congress, and uh, so I wrote up a, a story condemning the butchering and eating of, of dogs in the Philippines. And uh, he just, I said, "Here's a, here." And so he dropped it in the in the in the well. But that's the process. So if you want to, if you want to insert something in congressional record, and um, where you're not going to get up on the floor and speak, but you want to insert something in the record. Usually it's some commendation for some local group or something like that where you don't stand up and give a speech. You just drop it in and they put it in the congressional record uh, called Extension of Remarks. And uh, so he, uh, I just handed it to him and he didn't read it. <laughs> That's what that was the relationship we had, you know. So he drops it in the, in the well, in the box, and it appears in the congressional record. And he got a lot of razzing about that. That uh, that uh, he was condemning the butchering of eating of dogs in the Philippines. The Philippine embassy got upset about it, and they they started denying it and backtracking and saying they're going to put a stop to it. Uh, and uh, so I got a call from a friend of mine who was a reporter for the National Enquirer, and uh, he said we'd like to do a story on your boss, and uh, sent over a photographer to the office and take some pictures and do a story on the on the thing. And my boss said, I'm getting so much razzing about this. Is this a good... And he, he sat down with me and the campaign manager and said, should we do this? And I argued for it. I said, look, I said, look you're, a, you're, a, you're a conservative right-winger. Uh, you know, this is not an issue that conservatives jump on. This is an issue that, that people... People will vote on this issue that will not vote, would not vote for you ordinarily. Uh, there are a lot of people, animal lovers, they're going to they're gonna like this, and they're going to vote for you. And ordinarily, they probably wouldn't. A lot of them wouldn't because of your right-wing views, mine as well. And uh, so he agreed to it, and the National Car came over, and it was a big spread, and it was very successful. And the, from what I remember, the Philippines at least promised to crack down on this mm-hmm. industry, whether they did or not, there's no way for us to mm-hmm. to know. But that's that's the story. Okay, of what happened. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and the National Enquirer, by the way, at least at that time, you know, it had a bad reputation. You know, the sensationalist and yellow journalism and all that. But every time I was involved with a story in the National Enquirer, that wasn't the only one, uh, and I was quoted, they would call me later, somebody from the not the reporter who did the story, but the fact checker would call me and read back my quotes and say, did you say this? Uh, they wanted to be accurate. So i got to give the National Enquirer credit for, for throwing the bell. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> give the National the bell hasn't woken up yet. I guess not. <laughs> it's yeah. too cold out there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thanks to Democrats pushing for high hourly wages, good part-time second jobs are disappearing 
Um, it might have happened anyway, but mandatory increases in wages uh, have certainly sped up. California, for example, is pushing the hourly wage up to $20 an hour. Uh, so McDonald's now has at least one fully automated restaurant. Uh, the unions are going to lose members and dues. Uh, McDonald's had planned to replace uh, 2,500 human cashiers with digital kiosks years ago, and they've been working on it. Uh, partly, they were spurred on to replace human beings after Democrats began uh, demanding uh, unsustainable hourly wages. Well, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. You know, you pay pay McDonald's workers twenty dollars an hour. How much do you think you're going to be paying for your burger? Well, exactly. That's exactly right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, they've already gone up, you know, quite a bit. So I was hearing the other day what, what the prices were on, you know, like a Big Mac and oh, yeah. and a drink and fries. It was it was what it was over ten dollars. I, I don't remember. Yeah. Well, it depends on where you are in the in the country. I mean, yeah, if you're well, in Hawaii, that's true. It's, Hawaii is well, everything in Hawaii. Hawaii is expensive. Still, yeah. You know, earlier in the program we talked, uh, mentioned that the, uh, if you hadn't heard, the Texas National Guard took over a city park in Eagle Pass where illegals are just pouring in, and that's one of the key areas where illegals are pouring in. They took over the park, put up um, border fencing, and ejected, ejected the U.S. Border Patrol agents <laughs> from the park. <laughs> How that's how you do, you know. But uh, more, more on that type of story. Uh, you know. By the way, somebody said, "Well, here's the story so far: a guy built a wall to keep people out, then another guy took it down and blamed the first guy because people are coming in." I mean, it's it's that's pretty much <laughs> pretty much how it goes but every year an estimated 2000 Americans are killed by illegal aliens 2000 no oh, we never I, had st- I, I had no idea the number was that high yeah we never had stati- we never had to keep track before because we didn't have that crime uh, but uh, many include young children hmm? young children so people argue a pro pro-illegal immigration groups and people charge us. You know, they say things like, well, illegal aliens pay rent. They buy groceries. They buy clothes. What's going to happen to the country's economy if, if 20 million people just go away? Well, let's think about that. What would happen? In California, if th- they have about 3.5 million illegals. If they move back t- uh, to their home countries... California would have an extra $10.2 billion, with a B, to spend on their school systems, their hospitals, and overrun prisons. Highways would be cleaner, safer, and less congested. Everybody could understand one another because English would be the dominant language, again. In Denver, it would mean 12,000 gang members would vanish out of Denver. If you know what would happen, this is the answer to your question. What would happen if illegals just left? Colorado would save more than twenty million in prison costs. Uh, they have approximately seventy-three hundred alien illegal alien criminals in Colorado, uh, so they'd be gone. Uh, Denver public schools will not suffer a sixty-seven percent dropout rate. Because of thousands or flunking rate, because of thousands of illegal alien students speaking 41 different languages, uh, Denver's unemployment rate would 
drop significantly because our working poor would gain jobs at a living wage. Uh, in Chicago, 2.1 million illegals. If they left, they'd free up hospitals, schools, prisons, highways, hotels, O'Hare Airport uh, for a safer, cleaner, and more crime-free experience. I don't know if you've been reading about what's happening at O'Hare. Uh, they've turned it, uh, large portions of it into a migrant shelter. Yeah, I'm certainly glad we're not flying lately. Yeah, well, I mean, a we, lot used of people to, are. we used to fly through. A lot of people are flying. O'Hare alone. Yeah. If 20 million illegal aliens returned back to where their home, the U.S. economy would return to the rule of law. Employers would hire illegal American citizens at a living wage. There'd be no more confusion in American schools and have to contend with hunt with, well, I said 41 different languages, or probably more, that are degrading the educational system for American kids. I mean, we we would lose 500, half a million, 500,000 illegal criminal alien in, inmates across the country at a cost of more than $1.6 billion annually. Joe Allison, 28% of prison inmates in the United States are illegal aliens. 28%. No, no and that's growing. Wow. And that includes 15,000 MS-13 gang members who distribute about $130 billion in drugs annually. Uh, they'd be gone. Wow. Uh, cities like uh, Los Angeles, 20,000 members of the 18th Street Gang would vanish. No more Mexican forgery gangs for ID theft from Americans. No more foreign rapists and child molesters. The American economy is drained. Taxpayers are harmed. Over $80 billion annually would not return to the aliens' home countries by cash transfers. Illegal migrants earned half that money untaxed. $40 billion untaxed, wow. Wow. which further drains our economy, and we have a $30 trillion debt. At least half a million anchor babies would not be born in our country. You want to tell people what anchor babies are in case they don't know? Well, if a, if a, an immigrant, illegal immigrant, uh, comes to the United States and has a baby, uh, that baby becomes a citizen and... Uh, by becoming a citizen, can keep his family there in the United mm -hmm. States. Mm -hmm. And uh, is eligible for welfare and all government programs, mm -hmm. and which also helps the illegal parents, you know, I mean, because they get, you know, yeah. they get the money too. So um, so, so that's, why, that's why you hear about so many pregnant women, you know, crossing the border. Crossing the border, have their yeah. baby in the United States. And what other country does that? I well, doubt exactly. if there's any other country that exactly. has anchor babies. Exactly. Uh, anchor babies cost us $109 billion per year. Um, so that's that's what would happen <clears throat> with uh, if, you know, they say, oh, illegals contribute to our economy. Oh, a little bit. But they sure it's sure outweighed by the by the damage they do to our economy. Yeah, it's just business leaders want want cheap labor. That's, yeah, that's, that's what it comes down to. That's what it's all to. about. They don't care if they ruin the country as right. long as they, they can make a uh, little more dollars. Yeah, well, don't forget, uh, the Ranch Radio Marketing Group is hosting its fourth annual Radiothon this this coming Wednesday, January 17th, uh, right here mm -hmm. on uh, Hill Country Patriot from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. Nobody come back. A Texas law you probably don't know about, and uh, if you do it, uh, you can get in serious trouble.
Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison, Hill Country Patriot. And as I said earlier, we're going to have a radiothon. The Ranch Radio Marketing Group is having its fourth annual radiothon. And all of the radiothon funds will go straight to the kids participating in the Hill Country Grandstand Youth Stock Show Sale. And it's going to be supporting kids from 30 different Hill Country communities, including Kerr, Kendall, Bandera, Gillespie, and more. Yeah. Now, we we know that great kids make great leaders, so please mark your calendar for this Wednesday, January 17th, from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m., and make plans to help these kids for youth all over the country. Go, you know, call in or go online, help raise funds for these kids. I mean, keeping, keeping your giving dollars here locally where it affects our local communities. And what better place than our giving it to our future leaders and to their future development. And new this year is an online auction. Um, you can you can go to uh, hillcountrypatriot.com and uh, right now and see if there's something you'd like to bid on when the auction is live this Wednesday, Radiothon Day, uh, 7 a.m. to 1. So that's what's going on. We'll be talking a little bit more about that. And uh, I promised you uh, there's, a, there's a law in Texas, which you may not know about, that you could get into serious trouble if you did it unknowingly. Remember, ignorance of the law is no excuse, Allison. I, I know told that. You that I know that. <laughs> it is illegal in Texas to sell one of your eyes. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> it is. That's the law in Texas. I, I wanted to do that. I'm, you've talked of that so often. But you can't sell. You can donate an eye, but uh, you can't sell an eye. Okay. So just just keep that in mind. Huh? Keep that in mind. It's not an air raid. Be calm. Be, don't worry about it. That's our woke alert, the Allison and Bill woke alert. We try to find the weirdest, funniest, strangest examples of wokeness for each program. And we got a goodie now. We got a goodie. The Methodist Church of Great Britain has called on its ministers, deacons, and elders to stop using offensive terminology. What? Well, that's fair. I mean, I don't think anybody should use offensive terminology, particularly, you know, pastors and, and church officials. Uh, the offensive terminology they're referring to, um, husband, the word wife. Wow. This is, this is a ch- quote-unquote church. Yeah. Son, daughter, father, mother, brother, sisters are all offensive terminology wow that you're if you're part of the methodist church of great britain you're not supposed to use these instead use terms like partner instead of husband or wife child instead of son or daughter parent instead of father or mother etc um and uh, they said uh you know using these terms the methodist church of great britain says doesn't take into account our non-binary friends. <laughs> no, 
I'm sorry, I misread that. Our non-binary <laughs> friends. I say non-binary so often. That's no. part of my language now. It doesn't take into account. I'm not, because, I wondered why you laughed. Because non-binary is not part of your language. <laughs> that, that's true, too. That's true, too. So uh, it doesn't take into account our non, according to the Methodist Church of Great Britain, our non-binary friends. Well, no wonder so many people are leaving. Uh, you know, the United Methodist Church in America has lost, I don't know what percentage of their, their people, but a big chunk of their people because of this kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, what these congregations do, I don't know if it's in the United Methodist Church or not, probably is. Uh, they make it very difficult for a church to leave because they own the property. The well, it was, it was the like that when I was when I was growing up. We belonged to the what's now I think the United Presbyterian Church, and they were becoming very liberal back when I was in high school, and paying attention to that sort of thing. And uh, I said to my parents, "Well, why why don't we just leave the denomination?" And they said, "Oh, we can't because the denomination owns the building." Yeah, and pastors have to think about well, what am I? Oh, my pension. pension. Yeah, my, my pension. I'll lose my pension if mm-hmm. I if I leave the denomination. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, getting back to the Methodist Church of Great Britain, and why you know they don't want you to use terms like husband and wife, son, daughter, father, mother, etc., because uh, they're discriminatory, offensive. They're offensive. They call them offensive terms. And uh, by the way, and they they are kind enough to say, look, if you need additional guidance on this, go to Glad and Stonewall, which are radical leftist groups. And this oh, is what yeah. the United Church, uh, um, uh, the Methodist Church of Great Britain is telling their people to do. Wow. Of course, biblical backing for the Methodist Church of Great Britain's recent actions is non-existent. Using terms husband and wife, uh, are, but anybody who knows their Bible even slightly knows it's, it's full of those words, such as in Ephesians 5, it says, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. A Methodist church also runs a follow biblical teachings on the issue of gender identity, same-sex marriage, such as in Mark uh, chapter 10, which says, at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this me- reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one flesh. Uh, but according to the Methodist Church of Great Britain, that's a, the Bible is using offensive language when it talks about wives and husbands and, and, and such, uh, male and female, of course, that's offensive as well. So it it's, uh, remains to be seen how the Methodist Church plans to deal with those who may dare preach actual biblical sexual ethics when the church's governing body has already overruled the Bible. Oh, I guarantee you they won't be allowed to. I guarantee you. Mm-hmm. So somebody who does preach that will be thrown out of the church. Yeah, that, 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 happened, that happened with the uh, uh, PCUSA, Presbyterian Church, which wasn't the PCUSA at the time. Uh, it was Northern and Southern. But uh, they, uh, the liberals got into power and they threw the conservatives out. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what happens. So. A little uh, lesson for the future if you're involved in a church and uh, it's going the, going down the drain. Um, don't sit and don't sit in silence and don't don't be pouring your money mm-hmm. uh, into these well, unbiblical causes, right? Now, don't we have a um, interview coming up the next hour? We do in the next hour. Paul Paul uh, Paul Vaughn. Vaughn. Mm-hmm. I almost said Paul Murphy. I know a Paul Murphy. <laughs> Paul Vaughn. Uh, we have a exclusive interview with him. Uh, he goes to trial this Tuesday in Nashville. 
He's charged with violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act by blocking an abortion clinic entrance and praying. And we're going to hear all about what happened. And uh, he, he uh, it's um, frightening, quite frightening. Uh, fascists are prosecuting him for praying. And he says he didn't even block the entrance. So that's coming up right after the news on the Bill and Allison Show. Stay tuned. Got a lot of important announcements for you. We'll be back before you know it. The first couple of Texas radio. Here's Bill and Allison Mencaro. Welcome back. I'm Alice. <clears throat> I'm Allison. Are you sure? <laughs> I can't talk, but I'm Allison, and that's Bill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we promised you uh, an exclusive interview with Paul Vaughn. Um, Paul has been on the. Uh, Tucker Carlson show, and uh, he was on actually the, the Fox News Tucker Carlson show um, a year or two ago, and uh, he's uh, well. You'll hear all about it because Alice and I uh, interviewed Paul recently. Uh, he's going to trial this Tuesday uh, in Nashville, and uh, he'll explain exactly what happened. And this, the reason we're having him on, well, the reason Tucker had him on also, uh, is that uh, his story is quite frankly un. I won't say unbelievable because we do believe him, but uh, it's just incredible that uh, our government is doing what it's doing uh, to not only the Paul Vaughn but uh, to people all over the country. So, without further ado, here's the Bill and Allison interview, exclusive interview with Paul Vaughn. Well, Allison and I recently saw a clip of the Tucker Carlson show about Paul Vaughn. And he is a close friend of Franklin Sanders, who has, of course, been on our program several times. And Allison, I thought our uh, audience should hear his story. So, Paul, welcome to the Bill and Allison Show. You bet, Bill. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're happy to have you. Uh, well, rather than try to characterize uh, your story, I think it's better to, uh, if you just tell it uh, from the beginning. And uh, what, what, uh, what has happened to you in the last couple of years? You bet. We've been on a, a fun roller coaster ride, to say the least. So, a little bit of background would be helpful. We do uh, pro life ministry and uh, do sidewalk counseling out at abortion clinics and such and have pretty much our whole marriage. And uh, there's a particular event in, uh, in March of 21 uh, that we were at where there are other folks that engaged in a uh, a rescue, a civil disobedience type blockade. Uh, we did not, and I did not participate in it. But I was in the uh, in the building where this was happening and talking with people. Pretty much spent most of the day talking with police officers on site, kind of being a, a uh, talking with their lead negotiator and being an intermediary between the uh, the pro life rescuers and and the police force. You know, the local police force there. Um, so they arrested. A handful of people that day, about a dozen, at the doors. A local, you know, city police police department. They had their day in court, got dismissed, and you know went about their their business. We all continued on our merry way. Eight months, eighteen months later, rather. So in uh, October, uh, October fifth of twenty two, uh, a year ago now, um, it was loud banging at the door. FBI open up. 
and our world changes utterly. Um, just a very draconian day. I was about to take my kids to their homeschool co-op, had some of them outside. We had two cars rolling with four armed FBI agents all in you know full gear, long guns, handguns, the whole deal. And uh, I go to the door, hear them banging on the door, and um, pull back the curtain to see guns drawn on me and, and them yelling. You know, I'm asking who they want, and they, they say, they're, I'm looking for you. We're here for you. And uh, so they proceed to take me into custody, and, uh, you know, lots lots of details going on with a house full of kids and mom and everything that went on. And some of that you can see in the video my wife took, which was after I was in custody, but just the, the chaos that was going on there that day. Uh, so we're currently set for trial. I was taken uh, and processed, taken you know, 60, uh, well, hour and 15 minute drive from my house, over 60 miles, and uh, spent six hours in detention in the uh, the basement of the uh, federal courthouse in downtown Nashville in the detention center there, um, figuring out what was going on, and uh, finally got arraigned before the judge, and they uh, figured out that it was abortion-related, that it was a face case, uh, related, even though I had not broken the law back in March now, what is a of face, the previous what is, year. What is a face case? Yeah, thanks. That's a great great question. So a lot of people aren't aware, but back in the 90s under Bill Clinton, uh, the pro-life folks, the Church of Christ was coming out in the street. They were going out to abortion clinics and ministering to women and saving babies, and they became so effective that everyone was up in arms uh, in the federal level, and um, they decided they need to make rescuing babies a felony it wasn't enough for uh you know like all the tree huggers and all the other you know uh, oil activists and you know climate activists and everything else that goes on uh that to have a you know a class b misdemeanor you know local uh local offense that wasn't good enough for pro-lifers or christians they had to make it a felony and uh so that's what the face bill did face stands for the freedom of access to clinic entrances clinic being abortuaries where they kill children and um so that was the law and it was put in place under clinton back in 93 and um so yeah so they used that and claimed that we were violating a a civil right um to keep a woman from killing her child that day uh, in march of, of 21 and so that's the uh you know the short version okay. uh, the we're scheduled for trial in January, January 16th to 24. And uh, there are, they're trying us as a group, uh, two groups now, I guess we've just recently have severed out. There's a handful got misdemeanor charges. And what they did with, with myself and five others is they charged us with conspiracy. Uh, and so it's a way to lump us together and it takes it from a one year misdemeanor maximum sentence to a 10-year felony charge and so that's the uh that's what what we're up against well what did specifically what did you do uh that got them so so upset did were you actually violating the law do you believe i was not at all uh, in no way shape form or fashion I, I was standing in front of the police officers talking to them most of the time uh and so there, I didn't violate any local laws, I didn't violate any state laws, and I certainly didn't violate any federal laws. There's some interesting literature out there. Sanjay Patel is the prosecutor for the Department of Justice, and he's written on a new strategy of how to 
in a post-Roe world, since Roe v. Wade has been overturned, how do they protect the right to kill children? And in his legal strategy that he wrote for the Department of Justice quarterly, he outlined a plan of using this conspiracy charge that is, that is used, it was originally used during the Civil War. Um, and so he's, he's outlined this, this process that they're going through. And uh, that's basically that's what they did. And uh, they just swept me up in the middle of it without having any, uh, you know, claiming that I, because I talked with the other people and be, I guess arguably because we're all pro-life that therefore we're conspirators. Uh, and that's as far as any conspiracy, you know, could go okay. or, or would go. Well, the Mount Juliet police chief uh, was quoted as saying um, this was the first time that people have actually gone inside the building and refused to leave. Is that an accurate statement? That was the, why the people were arrested that day. Okay. And, and Bill, just to be clear, because there's a lot of, you know, there's a distinction between civil disobedience and biblical obedience. When the Bible tells us that if we see someone being led away to slaughter, don't stand back and let them die. And it, it talks about the doctrine of interposition. And that is, we, you know, Christ is our ultimate example of that, where he put himself on the cross and interposed his own body between us and the one seeking to do us harm between Satan. And so he, the doctrine of interposition comes from his example on the cross, and it is a, a nonviolent, passive way to lay down your life and, and identify with the unborn baby that's about to die and say that if children are going to die, that I'm going to identify with them and I'm a, a willing at least to lose my freedoms and identify that they are a child made in the image of God. Okay. What... Uh what is your, uh, I assume you have representation uh, to defend yourself? You bet, yes. Thomas More Society has been great. Uh, I've been working with them on this case. They are uh, extremely well-versed in face cases. That's uh, almost what they did exclusively in the early years, and they've since gone into much broader Christ, uh, you know, Christian witness defending uh, the church and, and such okay. as that. Well, you're, uh, you're, I know you're uh, uh, the father of 11 children. Uh, what what other age ranges, by the way? Sure, our oldest is uh, will be twenty eight uh, this year, and our youngest is two. So your youngest is two. So you're facing yep. up, to, up to ten years in in federal prison uh, for this so called crime. Uh, Correct. Now, what what do you, what does the Thomas More Society attorneys uh, think your chances are of of uh, being uh, found not guilty? Yeah. You know, we like to be optimistic and think that justice will prevail and that, that we'll prove that this is, you know, nothing but a witch hunt, a post-Roe uh, lashing out at, at pro-lifers because Roe has fallen. But, you know, the fact is, Bill, when you go to trial and we refuse to take a plea deal because of just, just on principle of truth, mm -hmm. and uh, we did not do anything wrong, uh, we did not commit any civil rights violations, and... And they want to come back, and and it's the standard practice for the DOJ. And you look across the board at the January Sixers, the the guy recently that is going to jail for posting memes during the 2016 election about Hillary, uh, to Trump's, you know, lawsuits and stuff going on in Georgia and stuff. Now all the plea deals going on is they they continually overcharge people, and then they come back once you've looked at ten years losing ten years of your life, then they come back and say, well, if you plead guilty to this misdemeanor, you know, you can only do six months or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's their standard practice, and it's wrong, and it's wicked, and uh, and 
for me personally, I'm not going to participate in those lies. It's a right. The Sultan Eats and quote, live not by lies is a great essay. And, uh, and so the reality is once you make that decision though, and you actually go to a trial and a federal trial like this, there is an 87% conviction rate. Uh, so there's only a 13% chance statistically of, of winning this case in a federal court. Uh, and I should say the number, the number of cases that actually go to trial, 90% of the cases plead. So th that's what our justice system looks like at the federal level is 90% of the cases brought against people in the, in America for federal cases, 90% of them make a plea deal and get out by pleading guilty to something, to some lesser offense or something they may or may not have even done, mm -hmm. but they don't want to risk, you know, 10, 20, 30 years in jail. Now, your wife, uh, you mentioned your wife took a video when the FBI SWAT team showed up. Actually, I've seen that video, but can you share with our audience where they might be able to see that? Sure. You can find it on uh, my Substack page, Paul TN, like Tennessee, dot substack dot com. Okay, and there is a, we have a media page out there and a case files page that has all the case documents and stuff you can keep up with. Okay. And uh, you'll find it out there. Is there a legal defense fund set up? There is. Um, uh, Thomas Moore, of course, you can, you can contribute directly to them and, uh, and they, you can earmark it for our case and they take that money towards our defense case. Now we also are looking forward to Lord willing winning this and then filing a countersuit. And that would be through our gifts and go account. Um, gifts and go slash pro life dad, uh, would be that, uh, that link. Okay. And that, that goes directly to my family. And to us, and we're going to be using that again towards you know filing the countersuit okay. uh, once we get through the criminal uh, trial. All right. And uh, what would you suggest, particularly, that uh, people should remember in prayer for you? Yeah, you know, Bill, the biggest thing is to recognize this is a spiritual battle; that it's not a material battle; that there is a demonic force that operates in this world as Christians know and understand and but yet it operates through human beings and so you know personally my biggest challenge is I want to be able to discern that I want to be able to respond to everything in this trial every word spoken to be seasoned with grace to represent Christ well but to be truthful and honest and speak to the heart of the matter um, and so that's you know for me that's the prayer request I want to stand, and if God chooses to allow me to go to prison for a time, that's in his hands, but I want to represent him well through this process. I believe it's a, a deeply spiritual battle, and uh, so, yeah, that would be super helpful if people would be praying for the entire defense team uh, along those lines. Sound like a very uh, strong man of God, and uh, we just thank the Lord for your faith, and we'll continue to pray for uh, to uphold you and your co-defendants. Uh, in their in faith hopefully this uh, the Lord will look with favor upon it and uh, we are uh, so happy that you were able to join us on the Bill and Allison show today thank you Paul you bet Bill thank you appreciate it well, that was Paul Vaughn pro-life activist and he goes to trial this Tuesday January 16th at the federal courthouse in Nashville and so please pray that the Lord would deliver Paul and his fellow defendants from these tyrants comfort them all with the love and power of Jesus Christ. He mentioned the Thomas More Society that's uh, defending him. 
Uh, you can go to thomasmoresociety.org. And by the way, Thomas Moore is spelled M-O-R-E, not Moore, M-O-O, but M-O-R. So it's Thomas M-O-R-E Society.org. And he said you can earmark a donation for his legal defense uh, there if you scroll down and do the donate, donate Now button. So that's very moving, and uh, we need to be, Allison, need, we, we need to be in prayer for Paul Vaughn and, Vaughn and his, his family as well. Mm-hmm. Horrible thing that happened to them. Yeah. Well, mo- most people understand the meaning of a true emergency, uh, but there's still those who remain a little confused. Um, in broad terms, fire, crime, and injury are all good reasons to dial 911. But uh, here's, a, here's a list of reasons uh, called into ECOM, an emergency dispatch service in British Columbia, Canada. Okay, among them, a traffic light was stuck on red too long, an Airbnb reservation was canceled, a cell phone was missing, a McDonald's order was late. So these people called 911 for this? Yeah. Someone got lost on their way back from a Drake concert, whoever that is. A pothole was bad, a bad haircut, a nose ring went down the shower drain, (laughs) an Uber Eats order was delayed. (laughs) <laughs> a burger place wasn't open and uh, the previous year they had uh, a whole a whole nother list a broken nozzle at a gas station a flat tire kids drawing on the pavement with chalk a phone stuck in a bench someone cutting in line at a car wash complaining about a phone a uh, phone service outage dog poop someone playing basketball at night a broken windshield wiper, <laughs> someone putting garbage in the caller's garbage bin. <laughs> the, the, these are a type of calls that, that 911 gets. You have to be an idiot to call on something like that. Well, ex- uh, exactly. Um, actually, I called 911 once. Um, I, I was out alone going for a walk, and our neighbors had a phone at their gate, their locked gate, and their phone, you could dial two things. You could dial uh, their house, or you could dial 911. There were just two buttons. And um, So you dialed 911 to report that the phone was broken. It can only dial <laughs> two numbers. The, re- the reason I called was because there was a herd of, of cattle in the road. And this was a small, you know, narrow, you know, road. But it was a public road, and I was concerned that somebody could come around a corner and, you know, you, you know what would happen if you ran into a cow. Um, so I called, and I said, I, I'm sorry, this is the only number I can call. But I so I didn't know if this was an emergency or not. <laughs> and the uh, the dispatcher said, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we have the, <laughs> we have the, uh, um, the, the what, what do they call them, cowboy? The, 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 the cowboy, the, the cowboy. Wrangler, wrangler? We, the wrangler's uh, cell phone number we'll give him a call <laughs> <laughs> they have a wrangler on call there you go yeah and and they said they said you were you were correct to call 911 because that is well it, i got yelled at for exactly the same thing by a 911 operator in kirk yeah. county well this, i called this was there was a, there was a cow on harper road no less well, that's even worse and i called 911 and i got creamed for mm-hmm. as for emergencies only 
Oh, okay. Well, 911 was first developed in the United States in 1968 uh, to streamline emergency responses because previously you had to know your local um, police and fire departments and, and hope someone picked it up. Um, the first call was made by Senator Rankin Fite, F-I-T-E, <laughs> who dialed 911 from Haleyville, Alabama to show off the country's first call center. Well, that's a crime. He wasn't reporting an emergency. Oh, good point. He, he should have been arrested. Showing off. Nine one one was selected in part because they were relatively easy to dial on a rotary telephone. Oh my gosh! Huh. I guess we don't need that excuse anymore. <laughs> oh. I'll tell you. Tell you what. We're going to take a little break and. Uh, Got some important announcements, so stay tuned. Yeah, some things oh, you want to know about. We're gonna have some local events. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna tell you all about what's going on in the Texas Hill Country this weekend for you and your family to enjoy. So that'll be right after our short break. So stay tuned. This is a song by George Bennett. He wrote it and sings it, and he's a wonderful rising star in the music business. George Bennett, remember that name. Searching for that peace of mind When I found I had Texas on my mind Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison on Hill Country Patriot. And, of course, we support on the Bill and Allison Show and the Hill Country Patriot and Ranch Radio Group all support farmer's markets. Buy locally, support local people, uh, and get fresh produce without all the who-knows-what that they put in the, the foods so that you buy elsewhere. And it uh, keeps money in the local community. It doesn't send to New York or L.A. or Beijing or whatever happens to your money when you... When you I mean, by the way, if you buy Smithfield... Meat products. I mean, the biggest—they're the biggest, they're yeah, the biggest company in the in the world, I think, for meat products. You're buying from a Chinese company now. Smithfield is owned by yeah. the Chinese communists. It started in Smithfield, Virginia. Yeah, which yeah. we have visited back when. when it's it still was, it's still in Smithfield, but it's owned by a Chinese company. Yeah, now. so yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. Well, on this day in 1874, Democrat Richard Koch was inaugurated as governor of Texas. <laughs> but the Republican governor refused to vacate the office, Edmund <laughs> Davis. Uh, now, Koch had overwhelmed, now this is not to be confused with Koch Stevenson, this is back in the 1800s. Richard Koch was his governor, that was the man's name. Uh, he had overwhelmingly won the gubernatorial election in 1873, but the election had irregularities on both sides. Can you imagine an election having irregularities, Allison? <laughs> and the state Supreme Court voided the con uh, the the election. So the the incumbent governor, who was supposedly defeated in this election, uh, Edmund Davis, cited the fact that the Supreme Court voided the election and refused to leave office. Uh, he even called troops in, the Travis Rifles. Uh, but when they got into the Capitol, these troops supported his opponent, Richard Koch. <laughs> so then Davis, the 
governor who wouldn't leave, appealed for federal troops to President Ulysses Grant, and Grant refused. So uh, Davis was forced to resign uh, on January 19, and Richard Koch became the governor. And that sounds like something would happen today. It really does, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, we, we always think that what we're doing today is is new and never happened before, mm-hmm. but that's rarely rarely the case. Yeah, nothing new under the sun, as the exactly. Bible says. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What you got, Elson? Got some music for you. <laughs> I guess you that's, do. That's Kinky. That's Friedman. our own Kinky Friedman mm-hmm. singing "Resurrection." Texas Hill Country Treasure. Mm-hmm. So, what, what, do we have anything coming up after the? Well, the it's break? funny you ask. We how to make your kids eat something they don't want to eat. A surefire way to do it. Right after the important messages coming up, we'll be back in a flash for the Bill and Alice Show on the Hill Country Patriot, your information station. Well, that's the theme to Mannix. Oh, I thought I recognized. <laughs> to to those of you out there who remember Mannix, that's cool. Um, yeah, who is it? I can see him, but I can see him too. In fact, I had an autographed picture wow. uh, when I was a kid. I wrote wrote away and uh, to Mike Connors. That was yes, his name. Yes, Mike Connors right. was the star of Mannix, and I wrote away, and got a picture, and it said uh, autographed to Bill. Thanks, thanks. Uh, I'm glad you enjoy the show. Sincerely, Mike. Now, whether he actually wrote it or somebody <laughs> else did, but uh, I don't know. But it was uh, Mannix. He had a he kept his pistol uh, in a holster uh, on on his back. I remember that it it, it was uh, right on his spine, on his belt area, but in the back, so that uh, somebody frisked him, they wouldn't think to look there, so he could <laughs> take care of that. Well, before the break. Alice and I promised how to make your kids eat something they don't want. How to make your kids eat something they don't want. Well, here's how to do it. You follow the example of Greek governor Ionis Capodistrius. When he first offered potatoes to his people, the Greeks, in the late 1820s, they didn't they weren't familiar with potatoes. Okay. So they didn't want it, and it was free, and they still didn't want it, even though it was presented as a healthy means to fight hunger. That was the campaign. Oh, you're, you know, there's a lot of hunger in Greece. We're going to give, the government's going to give you potatoes. Well, they weren't real familiar with potatoes in the 1820s in Greece, uh, and they said, well, it's a healthy means to fight hunger, and people would need it. So, so what the governor did, he placed armed guards around the potato crops, and made it illegal uh, to to have potatoes. And then the citizens actually began to want potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> so he's credited, Jonas, Greek governor Jonas Kapodistrias, is credited with helping to make potatoes popular, not only in Greece, but around the world. Huh. So, so there you good. go. So, so if you want to make your kids eat something they don't want, Tell them they can't have Tell it. Tell them they can't have it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the the weather, by the way, before we forget, um, bring your pets inside. Uh, it's going to be uh, next uh, few days is going to be brutally cold, 
and especially at night. And uh, please, even if you have outdoor pets, you can keep dogs or cats or whatever outdoors, bring them inside. Um, because even if you try to winterize their doghouse or something, it's, it's going to be too brutally cold to, to do that. So please bring your pets inside. And uh, also, uh, probably already know this, but uh, got to have faucets dripping so they don't freeze up. Um, and uh, we've already got our faucets dripping right now, as a matter of fact. What little, what little it might add to your water bill doesn't compare to what the plumber's <laughs> going to charge if, to repair oh, yeah. broken faucets. Oh, yeah. And broken pipes. Yeah, that, that, that happened to us once. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had a... Uh, oh, 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 it was a tenant. That's what it, was it was a tenant. We, our first house, that when we first got married, uh, I had bought a house uh, before that and had some interesting experiences with, uh, with uh, living with some guys as roommates. Um, I went found a... Came home one one night and uh, one of my roommates was drunk in the front front yard, uh, and this was a nice family neighborhood too, so it was a little distressing. But anyway, uh, he was just sleeping drunk in the front yard. Anyway, but uh, this house uh, we sold. Or, I'm sorry, we didn't sell. Uh, we kept it. We the the mortgage was low enough, and uh, we could the rents were high enough that we could uh, at least break even. Uh, so we kept this house. And that was our, our rental. And uh, we rented to this family from Louisiana. Nice family. Uh, she was the uh, sister of a congressman from uh, Louisiana. Be- became governor. Uh, yeah, that was it. Um, Buddy. Uh, Romer. What? Romer. Romer. Buddy Romer. That's right. He was, uh, anyway, they, uh, being from Louisiana, they didn't know anything about winters in northern Virginia. Which yeah, is where is the house ju- was. Just outside Washington, D.C. Yeah, this is when we, we worked in uh, the Capitol in Washington uh, for members of Congress. And anyway, <laughs> so I can laugh about it now. <laughs> they went away for Christmas and New Year's. And uh, sometime during the night, I don't know what. It, it was It was New Year's Eve Eve. Was it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they, uh, the guy came over and knocked on our door. We were only a couple blocks away uh, is where we were living. From the rental house, and he said, uh, "You better come over and take a look at the house." Well, they had left uh, for their vacation, and being from Louisiana, they didn't know about winters. They they, they turned the heat totally off. Yeah. They, they didn't a, 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 as we do here in Hill Country. If you're going to be gone for a few days, um, you set your 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 temperature at a you know something reasonable in case it in case there's a freeze while you're gone. Um, you you don't turn your your system totally off, which no, is what but they, they did. did. <laughs> and there was uh, oh, the kitchen had icicles. Uh, from oh, the, oh, from the the kitchen was an ice rink. An ice rink on the floor. Seriously, yes. yeah, seriously, yeah. There was ice. Uh, there was solid ice on the on the kitchen floor. Uh, downstairs in the finished basement, there was about four feet of water, and it was still coming coming uh, through the you know, and. Uh, I foolishly, not even thinking about it, took a step stool and uh, got to the water main uh, in the basement and turned the water off. Uh, and later I found out from the uh, fire department that the water level was just below the uh, electrical breaker box, and I could have been killed. And uh, <laughs> never occurred to me. Uh, but anyway, I wasn't, obviously. 
thank the, thank the Lord. <clears throat> uh, but we had how many pipe breaks did we have? I think it was about was it about seventeen. That's something like that. I mean, it's all yeah, over the house. Right. So that's uh, that. The point is. Keep your water dripping. That's a lot cheaper than what we had to go through. Yeah. Uh, keep your water dripping. And your your thermostat set at a reasonable degree. Yeah. Temperature. Think, yeah. Um, cabinets. Uh, cabinets. Open your cabinet doors that are under sinks. Uh, that are uh, where, where the out, pipes are. Yeah. On an outside outside wall, uh, or inside wall if uh, you, know, you live in a mobile home like we have a mobile home on our property and the pipes are exposed underneath there. Uh, the, you know, you should winterize as well. Uh, your your pipes, uh, wrap them. If you if you have exposed pipes like we do in this uh, mobile home, uh, wrap them up. Um, cover your outside faucets. Everybody knows about that. Uh, and uh, a friend of ours told us uh, one cheap and easy way to cover your outside faucets is to get one of those what they call pool noodles, those foam mm-hmm. rubber things, and cut it to fit. And it's cheap and it does the job. Or an outside faucet. Mm-hmm. So there, you got a few tips. But again, bring your pets in, please. Don't don't subject them to this winter stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Gaston Glock just died, Allison. Mm. Well, why are you so upset? You don't know who I'm talking about, do you? Well, isn't it sad when anybody dies? <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 okay the, the, I'll give you that. Okay. The reason we're laughing about that. <laughs> When my when my brother died, uh, it was not unexpected. He he had cancer, so he was he was dying for a while. But the um, the uh, morning that he died, his, his wife and I uh, contacted you know friends and family to let them know. And I was trying to get in, in touch with with one friend, and he didn't answer his phone, so I texted. And I said, Bill, I just wanted to let you know that uh, that Skip died last night, and I got a response back. I'm sorry to hear that anybody died, but you got the wrong number. (laughs) Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths.